welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Mario Brothers, where it's, well, I guess we are a saint in sinner's eyes, casting clouds over California, Danny. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Brother Dan. Bringing it in with Devil Driver today, and uh, we had a great week. We had a chance to catch up with another Andrew Hogue disciple in Dwayne Neville, Danny. Yeah, fantastic. This was a gentleman who, at the same time as we were lucky enough to be on the Andrew Hogue show, some say we paid to be on there, but that's that's, <laughs> that's nitpicking. Uh, Dwayne also had his own radio show, and we actually had a first time meet him in person on the weekend. Yeah, so uh, great it was, you know, keeping the community together. But you're here to talk about, or listen to us talk about, what happened in the week of metal. And uh, on tonight's episode, we aren't going to disappoint. We asked the poignant question, is Korn a metal band? Now, a lot of people on our uh, Sydney Brothers page and uh, friends and family have decided to uh, give their 10 cents, and some people went to great detail with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was probably one of the first bands people even got into. Not, not let's regard if it's a metal or not metal band, but like, mid-90s, a massive freaking at least film clip. was pretty awesome. So, yeah, it's probably one of the first transitional bands in general. We also reviewing the latest Evocation offering, Shadow of the Archetype. Nice and dark for you guys. Returning back to our Rift Roots. But first, we're going to do the news. And first on the chopping block is the news. Cradle of Filth not wanting to collaborate with Kanye West. We know and love, or do we? Nah, probably not. Uh, Kanye West is known for his shenanigans with, uh, I guess, rapping over, you know, beats of music that have samples and stuff in it. Now, basically, yeah. Is that how it works with rapping these days? I'm not yeah. sure. I try to ignore that. All I know is that he tried to sing, sing. You can't see me by air quotes, sing Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, and that yeah. was just, oh, that's just rude. You know? Yeah. But uh, he was caught wearing a Danny Filth shirt and uh, they acknowledged it. But uh, as far as collaboration happens, yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, I, I think Cradle of Filth have missed a great opportunity here. You know, the, was it the hand that rocks the cradle? They could say Kanan that rocks the cradle. Yeah, yeah, but then they have, smart to work, they have to work with a massive douche. Uh, and I don't know who which one's worse, though. That's the problem. Yeah, like, Danny Filth is known as the Kanye West of uh, heavy metal. And Kanye West is known as Kanye West of pop, which is far worse than anyone could else imagine. But he's a musical genius, isn't that right? Well, that's the problem. Maybe they, Danny doesn't feel he's up to that musical genius level yet. It's oh, like it's the, the different echelon. Yeah. Uh, Negrao has come out and said he's a folk music project has made him to do more behemoth music wow is the folk music that bad danny there's run back to metal uh yeah actually i I had a chance to finally hear one of the songs and hear him sing melodically or cleanly and it's not good rip off is their best off or worst off jenny uh, jenny cash uh some reruns or something yeah you can call it what it is but i don't think it's great yeah uh look uh who's gonna like it uh probably hardcore negral fans will love it uh, will the community of uh, not um, metal, you know, that that uh, rock, psychedelic, uh, you know, blues, will they love it? I don't know. Yeah, that's a question. I mean, how is he actually selling himself with this clean style? Because people who are massive into like Behemoth won't really necessarily like this album. I can't really see too many transitioning over to him. So is he just doing yeah. it because he wants to do it or is he actually yeah. trying to get into that area? No, I think he's just paying homage to the people who, who do it. He wants to challenge himself because... I think we challenge those sales because I'm not too sure who wants to buy it. But um, well, he might be the yeah. first Polish country western singer. I mean, oh, holy I've, crap! Could you imagine that? I think he's to start a whole new genre, man. See, I, I think he'd be the first Satanist, um, uh, you know, folk rock singer as well. Because generally, you'd find this more conservative, you know, God, God is my witness, you know, kind of uh, style of music. Yeah. So the way he's kind of about it, it's kind of like undermined all that. So I couldn't imagine too many of those fans jumping on board to the dark side, but uh, this is a good science to try. 
Well, definitely right. I mean, he's got to definitely, he's going to be clever when he does his lyrics. Because at least when you do death metal screaming stuff, you know, you can bag the shit out of God or Jesus, whatever you want to do. Mm. No one hears it. But when you sing cleanly, you've got to be like, careful with you know country western they're probably not the smartest of people so you only have to be a little oh, bit a little they're probably bit, not listening to the show anyway yeah, <laughs> a little bit sneaky with your with your lyrics and your like uh, metaphors so you can get around it uh, we have to talk straight away and give congrats to Nightwish singer Floyd Hanson you know her as the beast from the you can't say Middle East but she is from the eastern countries beast from the eastern country that doesn't really work does it nah it's too long yeah that's a shame yeah. sorry Floyd Hanson we've got no nicknames for you but she does floor us with her amazing talent. Hey, he oh, rebounded well. I, I'm back. <laughs> all right. All right. But uh, she's given bo- daughter uh, a life, you know. She's popped out a cherry of a kid. And could you imagine, you, we know the lungs on, you know, Floor Janssen, right? We know what she's capable of doing, of blowing us away without a microphone, you know, three continents away. Could you imagine a kid to three o'clock in the morning with those kind of oh. like jeans? I don't think she's ever going to sleep ever again. What makes it worse is that her husband's the drummer from Sabaton or partner, the father of the child, is the drummer from Sabaton. So oh. that, what makes it worse is that the kid won't even have any good timing. So the kid would just start screaming at the worst possible times and out of tune. So it's going to be bad. Well, I imagine it would be in tune. I think that's her only oh, yeah. reprieve that yeah, yeah. Uh, at least those uh, beckoning calls of like, you know, change my underpants will come in, in nice keys like B flat major. And oh my God, is that my ears bleeding? I mean, there could be literally no pressure on this child to be a musician. Absolutely none whatsoever. You know what's not going to have pressure is Jeff Loomis having to do songwriting for Arch Enemy. Charlie D'Angelo says the upcoming Arch Enemy album will definitely reek of Jeff Loomis. Yeah, congratulations. We're going to hear him sweep. We've only got like 17 albums with that on it already. I love his sweeping. Could hear it all day. Honestly, I've got a backyard. That if you actually were to sweep it, I'd actually buy that album. The problem is that they're deprived. They didn't say anything about him being a writer and a collaborator. You're just gonna hear a solo and wah rah. And for me, that will sustain my Jeff Luminousness. But what could have been, Danny? This album was foretold to be the album of all albums. The collaboration of some of the best guitarists going around in metal, and uh, what an opportunity he lost. Yeah, but he's got a very political way of saying that we've given Loomis no chance of writing. He, he's, he, the way he's phrased it, you correct me, if, if you correctly read the article, you think, oh, wow, Loomis is going to be so predominant on this album, that's great, yeah. But if you read what he actually said, he's like, um, yeah, so Loomis, and like he just mentions the name Loomis and then talks off it. So you think, oh, Loomis must be there. But no, 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 he's pretty much saying, yeah, Loomis will be playing solos because he has to, that's his job. But that's all he's really going to be doing. The rest of it, he has literally no say in the writing process. So, you know, whatever. We're going to move on to our next story with Nikki Six. He's worried that Donald Trump could put America at war. I would just say that America's been at war for the last, oh, I don't know, like 20 years, Danny. I mean, like under the Bush administration, even under Obama, those drones weren't killing people by themselves, right? We had Korea, yeah, Vietnam, yeah, World War II. World so I'm not too sure. This is the problem I have with metal publications. They ask guys who have absolutely no idea about things that people with a really good idea should have, and then they get an article which makes people even dumber than they already are. That's right, yeah. Desert Storm. Oh my god! Exactly right. I mean, yeah, for him to save a while. Look, look at many documentaries they made with Chuck Norris and Arnold Schwarzenegger and like Commando. Like these things happen, man. And uh, yeah, yeah. Do, do you really think Nicky Sticks should just re- refer to his singing days and just not talk about these? Well, days? he he started off by saying, "Look, uh, six a.m. Whatever it is, is not a political band in nature." But I guess he felt compelled to say something. Today, like, politics oh. for the next twenty minutes, probably to the guy asking him questions. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he, his main focus should just be on how to like get really messed up 
on drugs and alcohol and like go out with like hot women in the 80s that's that should be his like course he should stick to that he should teach people on that he shouldn't get into politics now i think yeah. his brain's a bit too much now stick to defending it. against syphilis and uh we'll get someone else to ask how we can defend against you know foreign enemies or even yes. our own enemies or you know we got malcolm turnbull so you know there's that yeah. Uh, also, attacking Sunday rates. <laughs> yeah. war, war against retail. That's that's my thing. I'm kind of fighting at the moment. <laughs> war against green energy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, WWE next is returning to download UK. I am love seeing these things. How metal can get infused in the main culture, but doing it in a way that's brutal. Like we like violence here, and we like metal. They seem to go really well together. So I love seeing these things like with wrestling being such a thing in the mainstream where everyone knows about it. And seeing uh, that said, they've gone back to it. So Triple H, man, you know, you deserve two Lemmy Awards for this, man. Like, on point. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's good one collaboration. Even these facts that more and more of, like, metals being fused with, like, different parts of pop culture. I mean, if you just go on to, like, all these uh, The Voice competitions and these, like, uh, idol competitions in Europe, nearly one a week, there's a different guy who's doing a different... Um, heavy metal performance so it looks like bit by bit heavy metal slowly spreading its tentacles into uh, more pop culture which is great it is great uh it's not really transitioning into seeing that next band that we want to see or even like you know festivals yet but we are hopeful that will happen earache records launch on demand vinyl service so basically you can go on their website at the moment they're saying this kind of thing where if an album has like 500 copies reserved for it they're going to press it into a vinyl that's a pretty cool gimmick, you know. I went onto the the website and realized I don't really like many of those bands. But if you do and you really love vinyls and they've come back, you know, they're three times the amount of CDs and well, I guess they would sound better, but because they're remakes or reprints, they don't really sound much better. So they look cool. I mean, to be fair, at least this is actually the original recordings. I guess they would work from, hopefully. They're not doing it off like a digital recording because... Uh, it's always the base. The argument is, like, what's the point of getting a vinyl and digital recording? Because you just get a CD, it doesn't affect it at all. Yeah. So, so I mean, there, there could be something there. I remember we did that story a month or two ago where you could actually get, um, turn turn your vinyl into like your ashes into a vinyl. Yeah. So imagine if like you, you released the best of Dead Dan and, <laughs> and 500 it people want to, you have to die 500 more times, 499 more times a lot in of order for it to work. Yeah, there's a lot of ashes, mate. Yeah, yeah. we'll just go to cemeteries and like bury, just big dig up people. I'm sure they won't mind, right? <laughs> it's the, be- the best of cemetery lot 101. <laughs> Oh, wow, that's funny. As uh, Sammy Hagar only wants to join the Van Halen reunion if Roth is involved. Thing is, though, he didn't get a happy birthday. He actually wished the guys a happy birthday, the uh, good old Van Halen brothers, or at least Eddie Van Halen. And uh, they never gave him one back. Did they just forget? Were they too busy practicing? Or uh, is this day of why can't this be love? Why can't this be a band reunion? Wow, that's good, man. See, everybody <laughs> loves Van Halen, man. I've watched that South Park episode where Van, where was it all the religions in the world turn into Van Halen symbol? It's true. The band unites everybody. But you, like you say, do they forget his birthday? That's impossible. I'm pretty sure they're Facebook friends. You know as well as I do, Facebook notifies you when it's someone's birthday. So that's I'm pretty right. sure that they, 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 Van Halen brothers, purposely went out there and said, no, we're going to ignore Sammy Hager. And look, to be fair, give Sammy Hager credit. He actually wants to go back with his competition in David Lee Roth and two of those two guys together with Van Halen. That's actually, that's pretty big. Yeah, it'd, make, it'd be awesome, you know. It'd sell heaps of records and that's some, and it'd bring a lot of people together. Everyone would have a lot of fun, so I could see why they wouldn't do it, you know, because, you know, that's the music community, I, I guess, where it work, you know, politics and all the such. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I've heard these days that David Lee Roth is kind of suffering from old age with his vocals. So yeah. I think he abused a bit too much in the 80s doing those high screams and those. I think he can't because he, he got his power from doing the splits. Mm. That's how he's hit the high notes. Now I don't think he can do splits anymore. The, I think syphilis just travels upwards when you get older. No, is that what it is? And it kind of just attacks like certain organs, you know, like your mm. penis, then to your other organs like your throat and your will to live. So I'm sorry about that, dude. Oh, well, I mean, I still. I thought you get for sleeping all those beautiful women, right? Like, yeah, you know, California oh, girls. Wow. Yeah, we saw that film clip. Oh, man. That's why, that's why I won't get a bad voice when I get older because, you know, I had no women. So, like, <laughs> voice get my, oh. my voice will be fine when I get older. Uh, Tool fans, rejoice. You've got 10 dates announced in North America. Uh, the start, maybe this is them signaling that this album will come out or just more false hope? Well, at least it's progression. So every month they release a bit more of a progression of when, how their album's going. Like they actually said they've got songs down that the theme's organized, they're starting to work on riffs. So it's progressing. But for them to like look on a tour, look, a 10-day tour is nothing. That, that's not an album release tour. No. So that, that's just them saying, oh, maybe they need more money to fund this album. Maybe, I don't know. Or just for people to remember we still do exist. You know? Maybe the maybe the gig will be like a 10-minute trailer to their next album and people will obviously love it. And they'll just go like, wow, what a concert, man. So deep, man. Like, yeah. I paid 100 bucks. But like, I really felt like I learned something about myself and society. Yeah, too. They really, they really like ex- extend the envelope past the boundaries of the world, and they really make you really consider that. Um, watch ten minutes of just like bass noise is really amazing. Yeah, yeah ten a ten a ten show North America tour is a little strange, but you know, if you're in North America and you want to see Tool, ah, uh, there you go. Ah, uh, you never thought we we're gonna cover it, but we're gonna do it. Suicide Silence. We've been covering this story now for at least five to six weeks, and we have seen the devolution of what was, I think, a band that had massive potential and was quite, you know, strong with their uh, fan base. And they just keep pissing people off, man. Yeah. If it's not their fans now, it's other bands. And we're talking about uh, Die Hard is Matter this time, Danny. Australia's own. You know what? We're going to defend Aussies. We have to. It's natural thing. You know, you think tall poppy syndrome, not with us. I'm probably tall enough, so I don't need to cut the people down, right? Exactly right. And you know, this is another one of poor... Poor little Australian bands. You know, they're trying to make it. You know, we're very far away from the world. We try and make it out there. And, you know, they're, they're giving it honest scope. Apparently, the new lead singer again, this lead singer from Suicide Silence, he he really needs to go. He's yeah. really an antagonist. Yeah, he is. He's, you know, when you're making like another, you know, band seem like the, the second coming of Christ, you're really looking down the barrel at the moment. And we need to talk about what got our knickers in a twist, you know. Uh, the Adder's Murder basically went kind of to and throw, didn't it? But um, The Adder's Murder returned the favor that they, when they were getting called out, and they did like a whole like a the Donald Trump hat make Death Corps great again, right? And it kind of like for me was kind of a symbol that you know slapping the face of Suicide Silence was talking the smack, right? And they really felt so far away from their roots. Maybe not, or maybe it was just them taking the piss. But they also did another picture with a bridge burning. And so the picture calls a thousand words, you know, it says a thousand words, an incredibly lame and, you know, pointless metaphor, but a metaphor nonetheless, Danny, what happened next is just the, the, the bridge crashing down, right? Well, pretty much what makes it awkward as well is you guys are both on the same label. So technically they're probably, you know, go to the same promotions, same venues and same like recording Same studios. gigs, probably. That's what we're looking at. If they, if they do like yeah, big festivals, they could literally build on together. And now it's just, yeah, he's, um, the lead singer is called the lead singer of The Artist Murderer Sellout and that he only came back to the bank because he wants money. And I always thought that, you know, to live, 
to work, you need money to live and your job should pay you. So I, I was a bit confused when he said that. Maybe I, I misunderstand what the point of having a job is. But he's just, he's just causing all these grievances. Yeah. We reported not, not because it's just funny, because it really is, but also because it needs to educate that bands out there when you're going through it and you're having a tough time with a label or tough time with your sell, songs selling or whatever, just don't kick other people down. Like, don't do not do it, man. Yeah, like, this has actually increased Asmur's attention and even sales or something. I think it's actually helped them out because I guess people are so what, anti-suicide silence at the time that whatever suicide silence says to do or not do people just doing the opposite like oh i love the artist murder now like, i was only into pop music but yeah let's go to the artist murder yeah so we're gonna keep covering it we just need to know how far down the rabbit hole this is gonna go and so far we're looking into china it's that bad honestly, i've never seen i've actually never seen the band self-destruct before honestly this is the first time i'm seeing someone decide to throw away their hard work it's, well it's maybe he's just amazing. pulling it down like he's like the anchor that enters this sh- uh, titanic at the moment and he's just dragging them right to the depths of despair but you know maybe the fan, maybe the band's finally like yeah he's just got the courage to say what we've all been saying I'm like uh, yeah. maybe you know he's really clever maybe he's gonna like put Suicide Silence on like the stock market so he's purposely lowering its value then he buys all the oh. shares then they put Suicide Silence on the stock market and also released like two really awesome albums and bang there goes up the stock and he sells all his stock and they become multi-millionaires and then he retires that's brilliant if it was Wall Street but they don't have stocks do they Danny? But the, the guys, man, that's, that's the long-term plan. They're going to do it. They don't know how. I don't know you can do it as a band, but they will think about this. Step one, burn bridges. Step two, blank. Step three, profit. That's right. <laughs> oh, wow. Megadeth share boot camp footage. As you know, the American thrash metalheads probably second only to Metallica, and Metallica are second only to buying their 13th house. I gotta be honest, I saw the footage and I know they're getting paid a lot from their fans to do a lot of things, but it really looks like Bible camp, but with metal horns and glasses of wine. Well, that's all he pretty much promised was just like a Q&A and wine at his house. It looks kind of lame. <laughs> no, no. <Sorry>. Educational. <laughs> yeah, but educational stuff are lame. The games are lame when they're educational. Uh, school was lame. That was pretty educational. Yeah, and um, Dave, Dave's like in his like late fifties or something. Now he doesn't want to be like partying hard or people trashing his house. That's yeah. his house. He's like, no, no, no. You won a responsible wine drinking metal performance. That's all you're gonna you get. You know what people. I would have done is I would have done the uh, Steel Panther meet and greet because at least then you would have got Coke and strippers. You know, yeah. like uh, and I love drinking Coke and like strippers play a really good game of Uno. So why wouldn't you do that instead? Like blowjobs be damned. Blowjobs be damned. We gotta talk about Ace Freely and since there is a fifty fifty chance of being with Kiss. Is anyone here a Kiss fan at all, Danny? To me and you, no. <laughs> yeah, so why don't we bring this story up? Because a lot of people apparently like Kiss. Well they, if you like they got Kiss, a whole army, man. They have an army that we need to quench. Well if you want uh Kiss to be reunited with their was the guitarist? Yeah. Ace Freely, yeah. Yeah, if you want them to be reunited, uh, you know, send uh, buy a packet of their air guitar strings That's right. and maybe just wish upon a star. But um, no, buy buy a kiss pencil and the kiss notebook, write a letter <laughs> to Paul Stanley, put it in the kiss envelope with a kiss stamp, yeah, bring it to the kiss post office, tell them to fly to Paul Stanley's house on the kiss plane and saying, Paul Stanley, could you please bring back Ace Freely. And Paul Stanley will be like, can you please kiss my ass? And he will do that on his kiss stationery or through his kiss emailing service. We need to talk at the end of our beautiful center of light is the latest North End trailer. Now, a lot of people are trying to figure out what it was. Was it a album launch? Was it a documentary series? Or was it probably what I like to call as the why you should tour Tasmania 
in 3.17 minutes. I think so. It's really clever. Like, yes, right. You could see Melbourne or Tasmania, Sydney could actually be using this for their, you know, um, come visit us campaign. Yeah. Because it literally, there was no music apart from, I think, a slow drum beat near the end. Yeah. And then just some arty fighty people dancing in the streets and some girls dancing shit. I don't see how that would get you excited for the latest album. I mean, like, for me, I was seeing it and I'm like, oh, what? It's going to be like a travel guide? Like, it's going to be... Well, it looks like more of a techno or dance film clip when they have those, like when you go to streets and you just flash the girls and going back to street lights. It's, it doesn't, yeah. It, it makes me worry for, for the actual musical direction. Yeah, it looked like well produced. It wasn't cheap, man. They had, like, they had like air, helicopter shots and everything, man. That's a, that's a spicy meatball. Well, yeah, if you guys are loving into North Lane, like, let us know what you guys think about the latest film clip. You can jump to our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash middlebury. And uh, let us know what you think. But in the meantime, we need to do what we'll promise here to do at the very start of the show, and that's talk about our editorial. In this week's editorial, we are talking about the biggest possible new metal band of all time, or at least our generation, the 90s, grew up knowing about a band called Corn. No, that isn't a vegetable. But it was technically delicious. It was kind of new at the time. It was a revolt against that thrash, big guitar sound. But it brought in things like a hip-hop vibe to a dropped guitar tone and a singer which I'm not too sure how to feel about just yet. Yeah, I think he was the first person to really have dreads on TV. I can't really remember those. So that was, that was different. Um, yeah, it's good. Again, the biggest thing was that freaking Unleashed film clip that really came out of nowhere. To see that on like video hits in the morning, I'm sure you kids remember video hits out there. Mm. And see that, <laughs> that like bullet flying through the air and all the slow man all occurring. That was great. So, yeah, there was a new sound. I mean, back then, the only thing you used to get on the radio was pretty much, I think, boy bands and girl bands at that stage. There wasn't, you know, you had S Club 7 and all that crap. So, to have, have something like um, Corn to be on the commercial yeah. radio was actually quite good. It was brutal, it was guttural, it was that. But apparently, according to Jonathan Davis, the vocalist of Korn, it wasn't metal. He never considered it metal. In fact, dare say it, he says he's far from being used as a metal band. Uh, they were into just heavy rock. He doesn't like uh, the categories, period. But uh, if you had to give him a gun to his head, he'd say, yeah, it'd be more straight up of rock. Now, we weren't too sure about that. We definitely think, like much musical historians, that they were a metal band, but we thought we would tell, ask our fans, sorry, to give us their impressions about what they might have thought if Korn was a metal band or not. See if we can help reimburse our ideas or maybe change them to back to what we thought we might have thought Korn were. Let's start from Laurie McLaughlin. He said that for him, Korn were his gateway band. There's certainly heavier bands out there, but to say they aren't metal would be kind of stupid. Slash elitist. Danny, too far. Elitist, saying uh, that, they, that they're not metal, you know? Nah, I think, nah, nah, that seems a bit strong. I think I think Jonathan, as he says, he likes, I think he likes the idea of being like the black sheep as he puts it. I think he, he doesn't want to be labeled. I feel like he wants to be his own. It, it probably comes back to who he is as a person because of that whole... Um, you know, he's got that whole clothesline, which is anti-bullying stuff. So he might have issues that he doesn't like to feel belong. He wants to be his own person. So I think that's where that probably comes from. Maybe. But what maybe, about, but go back to about, the fans. What about Zach Hammett? They were the band who started New Metal and brought the new era to heavy music. They were pioneers of a sound that uh, then would influence bands like maybe even Meshuggah or even guys like Steve Vai. 
they weren't using seven strings. And then all of a sudden you hear this kind of stuff going on and you're like, damn, you know, there's a reason why these guys uh, were very influential to the metal scene. But are they metal? Let's continue. Daniel Cedarblad, if your music is in any way heavy or guitar-y, you'll fit into some obscure genre of metal. You'd call them these days pop metal, like In Flames. We reviewed In Flames, Danny. Ah, corn like In Flames. Oh, I wouldn't have to th- no, I wouldn't think so. No, especially not the newer Flames. Newer Flames is just slow rock. What would you call it? Well, I think Corn teased it uh, in the middle of their kind of thing. I mean, they're, obviously their original stuff was very much uh, a new heavy. Definitely was inspired to be new metal. Later albums, I've heard that the latest albums back to those roots and in between was a bit meh. Pop metal? Maybe. I mean, it's accessible. Uh, people can like it. And I do like the idea like heavy and guitar Yeah, that is a certain sound that can naturally be drawn to a... Or people can like, you know, adapt them. You know, like a little bit like what Australia does with good sport athletes. We'll adopt them, right? And I find some metalheads like to adopt certain bands that aren't metal just because, you know, like they're brutal. And being brutal is probably the highest stake anyone can get as respect. Yeah, definitely right. Yep. So who else do the fine people have to say? Andre Vandeker. The latest album is definitely metal. Case in point. There you go. He's just kind of just said it. But are they metal from start to finish, Danny? We have to keep going, I guess, before we can discuss that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Keep Jake on. Pipe Dream. I would definitely define metal as fast, heavy, down to technical, or having a dark subject matter. Corn fulfills a number of these. Not his favorite band, but damn original. So I wanted to see, like, we've got our fans kind of I wouldn't say quoting each other, but definitely kind of like a bit of a high mind agreeing at the moment that Corn are, in fact, steering towards a metal band, Danny. Yeah, I think um, Daniel Serblad was quite clever with his reference to that whole pop metal, pop corn metal. Oh, yeah, corn pop. That's corn. that's really clever, Daniel. See what you've done there. That's good. Only another Daniel will get something as clever as that. So, a movie congratulations. That, it's, it's a music genre that you can go to the movies with. Yeah, okay. That's a terrible joke, Danny. That's a Rob Zombie, man. What are you oh, talking about? Reith, oh, Ryan Leith. Hmm. He actually ponders in his mm. own writing. That's deep. If not metal, I'd call it grunge, funk rock with metal and industrial influences. <sighs> Diluting the water there, Ryan. It's kind of a bit of controversy, but it kind of sounds like, well, if he's not going to be called metal, which maybe it most likely is, he could see it fitting in a home just, you know, lighter than it maybe. Yeah. He's Not what uh, Jonathan Davis said, though. He said hard rock. Hard rock, yeah. He's still kind of fighting it, right? Yeah. Uh, we got a, a very much a short story with Kaya Elliott. This is definitely the, uh, the little wagon that could, but we're going to kind of paraphrase this, I guess. Everything is pigeonholed these days. Whatever happened to a good band is all that matters. People get butt over the metal scene. Of course, Corn with metal band, obviously, you want to place them debatable, rah, rah, rah. Jonathan said, oh, yeah. We are a metal band. You would be asking the same question anyway. The other side of the argument. Anyway, I like Corn. Always have the biggest and most intense mosh pit I've ever been into. And I've seen a lot of metal bands. I think it speaks for itself. Uh, yeah, I guess we can. Uh, but it's much more funnier and definitely more engaging for us to kind of make a big deal out of it. Uh, but you're right, you know, in a sense, because, you know, what's the point if it's good music and it's art? Does it really matter? And it doesn't. But that's not funny. Yeah, you can't. What's the point? You have to class something. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, everybody could win every Grammy Award. So you have to have... Unfortunately, you've got to have class. Oh, and we need the Grammy Awards, right? How else can we, like, bitch and complain about how metal doesn't get any recognition and the one exactly. artist gets all the recognition? Maybe that's what Korn's doing. Maybe they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we're not metal because we want to clean up the Grammys. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah, I don't know why you want the, the respect from the Grammys, man. They can't even play Metallica, right? <laughs> Metallica aren't exactly a small band. They're like... 
pissed all over their performance. They're like, yeah, the uh, you're not important enough to do the microframe for oh, Megadeth. Uh, you're not as important as Metallica. So like, the only thing they care less about Metallica and Megadeth is like probably nothing. Maybe corn. Maybe that's the issue. Corn's been burnt before. Mitch Ramsey. It's a subgenre. New metal. Rap and hip-hop elements mixed with metal. Okay. I would say that he's onto it. That's metal. Jacob Fluffy Slippers. Love the name. Never change. Problem is that metal as a genre has no exact rules or regulations. I'd personally call them a solid band with heavier songs and less heavy songs. Lately, I try to avoid using the term metal or very variation, variation to describe music. All it does is limit. Problem. That's kind of drawing a line, isn't it? And we kind of like need to know where the line is for corn, right? Yeah, you do. Um, I would no, not the line with corn, the um, the elephant's eye, because that's when you start harvesting corn. So the oh, elephant's eye is what we have. Crap. Is, is, our, is our barometer here? Holy crap! These jokes are making my my throat hurt. Um, you we need for that popcorn. What oh. what we're here to do is decide if corn is about it. I do understand like the philosophy around. Doesn't matter. Well, you know, maybe it does. Just to me, I need to know. I need to need to let our fans, because some of our fans are investing, they need to know what we think about this, Danny. And let's kind of wrap this in a nutshell. From what we've discussed with our fans right now to the last three seconds before I said that sentence, what a corn. Well, corn are a band from Holy America. crap, Danny, you've amazed me. Should we go to our next segment now and talk about the CD review? Corner from a band from America. They started in the 90s. Oh, yeah, oh I'm sorry. I thought you wanted me to really step for corners. Oh, Metal, sorry. corn, go. Yeah, they pretty much are. I mean, I know he, from Jonathan Davis, again, going back to his article, he's saying that because um, they play with so many different bands and they've been on different cards that they don't really see themselves falling into line anything they think they're different sound they think they're trailblazer avant-garde however you want to call them you can be all those things but at the same time if you're if your overall arching tone and if your sound unfortunately lines up with a certain style well you like it or not you're going to be put into that style it's important to understand that i think jonathan davis is running away from being labeled as a metal band right now, the biggest point, I think, is that he just doesn't want it to be that way. And I think I can understand why. And we've covered this conversation last week. We were talking about metal bands, and no one is going to eclipse. We talked this with everyone we've talked to in an interview, from Andrew Hogue, when we were on his show, to Steve Lehman, which you should check out his interview we had with him last week. We've gone into a lot about this kind of philosophy with the change of the season. Who's going to be the next biggest thing? And right now, metal is just so... Uh, cultish in the sense that it's just so separated that no, we don't ever. Be- no one believes that the next Metallica or the next Iron Maiden or that will come. Now, Corn would do their best to kind of separate themselves out the metal scene because, like you said before, it might launch them to a higher level. Now, no one else took Corn in. Metal was the only one. And he admitted this, Jonathan Davis. Metal was the only one that let the doors open for him because they were playing with pretty much any kind of band really yeah, before yeah. that. But Metalheads are like, no, we want you as one of our own. And they kind of embrace that sound and put those guys onto a bigger stage. What's metal, Danny? What are some of the most important elements we talk about when what push you into a heavy metal genre, right? There are lines, or if if these are lines aren't here, then, then classical music and metal music are, in fact, uh, there's nothing to separate it, which I don't think is true. There are influences and stuff, but there has to be a line somewhere, right? True. Well, I mean, I mean, number one is always a distort, heavy distortion on your guitar. That's always your first thing you have to separate you from even rock metal. You know, rock and metal are the same instruments, but you just have to get a heavy distortion. Um, they got a groovy bass line, which adds to the feel of it all. 
Um, his voice has a bit of a gravel sound to it at times, again, which helps push it into that metal genre, away from the rock genre. Uh, yeah, so you have all those elements going there, the, the strong grooves, some breakdowns in there as well, which again helps push it away from the hard rock into the um, metal sector. So yeah, having those things, yeah, the additions of um, sound effects and industrial sounds help again with that. But yeah, Matt. Perfect. That's exactly right. All these sounds that they've emu uh, that they've done has been emulated to be staples of heavy metal, right? Um, the guitars, like you said, the breakdowns, the um, the notes that were put together to be quite chromatic and quite attention building. You know, even their leads are quite tension building, uh, creating dissonance and a lot of uh, you know tension. Uh, their staples are heavy metal. You know, the the guitar tone in itself, the bass itself is so low and so chuggy that uh, it just really involves it into the drumming aspect with the rhythm side to collaborate all these ideas together to give it such a strong moving mechanical drive, you know, and, it's, and it crushes you under its weight at times. Now, these are staples of heavy metal band and I think this alone uh, would, would consider them a metal band, right? But we can argue that they haven't done metal albums, okay? Yep. So would a metal band then be considered a not metal by the latest release mm. or would it be the no the overarching mold is that they bump, they've done metal they're a metal band who are just experimenting with their sound <sighs> yeah because they went back to metal right, again yeah. so yeah. were those ones in the middle uh, more about what they were doing or is what is what is corn then after with knowing that they're not just a metal band well i mean that's yeah that's a big question because you can just relate things like devon townsend opeth are they metal bands anymore i mean if if they still choose to play these songs live and still have elements on their new newish albums to a degree, like not not the whole album can be metal, but there's still elements to it. You, they still want to have part of that as them. Uh, but yeah, that's a very good question. Yeah, how do you? Do, how you do kind you? of beat me to it because that was my whole entire leading you to it. So you kind of raced me to the end without realizing it. The band defines themselves by the songs that they're not necessarily doing a CD, but what they do live. So what they want to give the listener at a live show should be the representation of who they are. Now, whether they were a metal band, right, but they never want to acknowledge that anymore and they've run away from it, I could then argue that they're maybe not a metal band anymore because they wrote that songs, and that's the way, but they still are because they've changed their sound back to what it was before. So a corner metal band, hell yeah, they are. They still return to the sound that is so strong and so poignant, I guess you would say, in the metal industry that they help create, innovate, and uh, it has become their trademark. Yeah, actually, I want to go back to one of the points you made a couple uh, arguments ago regarding why he could classify himself as hard rock, and he's saying maybe he doesn't be metal because he doesn't want to. He wants to spread his wings. I think that's a very good point because unfortunately these days you do get categorized in metal to these subgenres and. Unfortunately, if you try to spread your wings, just try to diverse too much, you can be attacked for, no, 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 you're not supposed to be that type of metal. You're supposed to be this type of metal. So you have that issue. Maybe this is another thing we can talk about later on. Are the metal fans dooming metal bands? Like, if he's so self-aware that he's seen his fellow uh, peers or whatever, or even himself uh, being torn apart by metal fans, because once again, if you are going to be experimental... Because uh, we've seen metal bands embrace that sound, but once they turned away from it, those fans were viscerally reacting to it as well. We've seen how passionate they've been with Suicide Silence, for example. Were they right or were they wrong? I don't think it's really that important. Um, it's always about the way the way the band conducts themselves under these circumstances. Uh, but unfortunately, I know he's understood, like you've said before, I know he wants to run away from it because he considers bands like Dio and Judas Priest yeah, Judas, metal. Yeah. 
And I'm like, dude, you guys crush their sound. DA are a hard rock band, though. Like, yeah, to be honest, also, you know? And this yeah. is the problem. Like, how can you... Re- I, I can't understand how he's referencing Dio as a metal band. Or even Judas Priest. Yeah, I could see that. Like, you know? But even people have argued that later on, they decide not to be as metal. You know, more hard rock. So, I really think that... Um, and, and I respect that, that he's giving the, 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 the lantern back to the, uh, the heavyweights, the shoulders that everyone stands on. But... Yeah. Look, unless he's got like tax purposes or he's got insurance purposes that declare himself as a hard rock band helps him out financially he he really is a metal band or Korn really is a metal band yeah and the, the, the constant revision of doing songs in their set list or re, or their new sound that they were kind of equated back to their old sound uh, it's a shame for him uh, in a sense because I guess you know as an individual you wanted to express your ideas in that but the historians and the journalists the fans have, I think, pretty much decided that you are. And our fans are no different, you know. Um, there are a few that, you know, don't see those lines as important. And for them, it's fine. That's great. You know, I also can understand, I respect that. But uh, to sell it on a label or to sell it to a bigger crowd and to a festival and that, you, that's what I would say. So, Dan, with that in mind, Corn are a metal band. I agree. Cool. And thanks to our fans for uh, getting on board with this. We had quite a lot of people reacting to it and we respect every single one of you guys who, and love you for it. So really, really appreciate it. So we want to hear what's going on next. We're going to talk about Evocation. So let's go on to our CD review. Evocation, death metal band from Boras, Sweden. These guys have been around, can you believe it, since 1991, Danny, but wow. only have... Five albums. Wow. You want to know why? No, nah, man, why? A hiatus that lasted from 2003, no, to, from 1993 to 2004. So what, like, just after they started, they stopped off? Yeah, they wow. had a demo on that. And then all of a sudden they decided, uh, apparently due to musical differences, that they'd be on a permanent hiatus. And what a hiatus it was 11 years later. So um, yeah, well, they've had quite a few band member changes. So that's, yeah, yeah there you go. But we're here to talk about their latest one. These guys have toured with heavyweights, Star Tranquility, Cannibal Corpse, Obscure and Dining Fetus, to name a few, right? This album this album is quite a beast of an album. A, a strength of which kind of took us by surprise. We didn't quite expect this album to kind of hit us like the way it did. But we've given it time, we've digested it, we listened to it, and we have to decide now, is this album for you? So let's talk about it with the riffs, Danny. This album has quite a few riffs on it. Swedish death metal, they're calling it as. But I would say these riffs aren't just death metal. Oh, I agree. There's actually some parts where you, there's actually got strong melodies in it. So yeah. actually, I would say it's actually... I mean, you wouldn't call it melodic death because the singing never gets there. But there are parts where they do rely on a nice minor key melody to um, help the song progress. So that was... that's. I yeah. would call it melodic death metal, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, though, melodic death metal is just kind of have a different place depending who you ask. Uh, you know, when people think melodic death, they think of like bands like In Flames and Soilwork and stuff. Now, I can definitely see that because they do sing in it and there is melody. However, the early inception of uh, Soilwork didn't have uh, singing on it, and I'd still consider that the same. You know, it definitely is more like death metal. Why? Because those guitars, like you were saying before, and these guitars do play a lot of sad melodies. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, and it's one, they're not just they, they're clearly predominant riffs. They're not like covering up with heavy distortion, or they're trying to um, overpower with like maybe a heavy bass or blast beats. They actually use that. They might strip back the drums or strip back everything else for those riffs and make it as a, even the solos have that feel to it. So yeah, 
It's definitely there. Now, you didn't like Dark Tranquility for the sadness and the kind of depressing nature of those kind of riffs in the songs. This must be walking through a valley of the decapitated, suicidal dead people. Yeah? Uh, look, I know what you're getting at because the, the riffs are still depressing, but at least the vocals are powerful and driving, so I yeah. don't have... It's not being reinforced with sadness. So that's, yeah. There's a difference there. Yeah. I would say these riffs kind of jump between kind of being definitely not happy riffs. They're definitely tough at times, but also have some of that, like you said, the, mel- the melody to add that little bit of um, kind of frustration and a bit of like that kind of sadness that kind of envelopes that Swedish Gothenburg sound, which I think these guys definitely are very strong in, you know. I see this more like death metal along the lines of guys like Dark Tranquility, like Kalinish Circle, Kalma for an instance, you know, to a degree. And... Um, and a couple of others which I'm kind of stumped at the moment with, but you can tell that there's that screaming through the whole time, and it's quite that. But the riffs themselves always come back to a a kind of hook point, like with a with a melodic idea or a rhythm idea that has, to be honest, still uh, some notes coming through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the song, the the guitar playing and the drumming themselves is not like very ultra technical, mm. or they don't give you a lot in. Yeah, a lot of really over technical parts, and a bit surprising. I was, I was, I was, yeah, surprised really with the lack of really like heavy crunchy wrists where you just want to blast out your speakers and blow your eardrums out. There wasn't really, probably maybe tracking eight or nine, maybe track two and three a bit. There, there was really sections. They're like, wow, this is the part I was waiting for to hear it. Most of them don't have that in most songs. It just has a feel. No, it just kind of knock your head to. And I think what this album really is is steak and potatoes. You know, um, and I love steak and I love potatoes, right? But this is it. Like you get a lot of steak and a lot of potatoes, so yeah. those riffs are going to hit you from the very start to the very finish with a few acoustic sections just to break up some of those uh, tunes. But that distortion sound is pretty much a staple through the whole album. Yeah, definitely right. I mean, there's still some, there's still good like riffs. Yeah, written and the, the, the melodies are good. Even like the tough riffs and the hard riffs, they're great. But you're right, it's just I was just expecting there to be a lot more like just really ballsy riffs yeah it sounds like it's in b flat which is kind of like the mid era of in flames as well right so you'd seem like you know when you hear in flames to hearing this but these guys have a bit more anger and a bit more toughness to their tone but they don't stare too far away from that melodic death metal sound that has really been uh, i think very strong without the gates and the kind of bands like that but an evolution of that you know with some more riffs that are a bit more in that darker tone Death metal, uh, well, there's a couple of times it's tremolo picking and stuff like that, but generally I find that the melody and the groove aspects of it don't really die uh, too much where it goes too technical. Yeah, definitely right. So yeah, yeah, simplistic. It's got simplified versions of some of your most technical riffs, but still c- carries strong true. So it's a good, good, good little bunch of uh, grooves on it. Uh, good some good guitar playing on it. Yep. Vocals, uh, wow, this guy doesn't give up give a flying toss bag really because this guy just kind of gives you a punch to the gut and that's pretty much it yeah it's it's one thing but i i really enjoy his tone yeah. his his scream is like just like it's got that that phlegmy like deep growl scream yeah but it's just it's just great yeah. yeah it's very hearty it's got that like oh it just kind of grates against you just perfectly you know there's but there's it's not too grady where it's like that angst it's just grady enough where it kind of sounds like distortion, man. It's just, but it's like nice and big and rich for like yeah. that meatiness, you know. It doesn't slow down, doesn't waver, doesn't stop. Like, yeah, it's just, ah, it's just great. They, yeah, it's, they use it the layer at times as well, gives even more of like a powerfulness. So that's great. perfect for those grooves, you know, the, the, those strong, tough, low down tuned guitars hitting through with a very angry 
you know, punch, punch to the wall, you know, very manly kind of like, you know, like, oh man, today I'm just going to punch something, you know, very, very good. However, it's steak and potatoes, man. If you don't like steak and potatoes, mm. that sound, like the guitar sound distortion, that guy's voice might carry too far. And this is the problem with this kind of style is they don't give a, they don't give a stuff. They don't care if you like the album or not. Um, and I didn't. I thought the album was. I thought their vocals and, and the riffs worked out real, really well together. But um, I can see how, like, if you don't like the first three tracks, you just press and stop afterwards. Oh yeah, definitely right. Yeah, they, they definitely have that. This their sound. I guess you say go through it. I mean, the vocals again, like they're, they're very tough. Um, they layer at times, and they the, the vocals are used at times to signify a starting and ending of riffs and passages, which yeah. is, again clever because it helps with the transitions. So yeah, I, that's why I must agree. Like, the yeah. transitions, the way these guys put songs together, is seamless and effortless, perfect. I don't like bands who you can tell through riffs together and made a song because they don't know how they're going to bridge it together, so they didn't worry about it. These guys flawlessly make it look like from start to finish that the, it was just effortless. Like the songs themselves just came out so natural and um, it was engaging. Like I listened to the whole album and realized, oh, wow, like that was cool. Oh, that helped, that happened. But I could understand people would see it as a negative light too. Um, if you just don't resonate with that sound, then poor, it's going to be a tough ride. Yeah, definitely. I guess um, I guess we're going to diversity now. That's, yep. that's part of it. So you're right. The, um, it is that whole meaty steak and potato, maybe a stew. If you want to oh, go with I love that, shoes. it makes me hungry thinking about this album sometimes. Don't I? <laughs> okay then. Does <laughs> that talk about corn and stews now? Oh, just like, man. Oh, winter's around the corner, everybody. Oh no, get on it. Yeah, but back to I mean, the diversity again. You're right. They they do their, their songs uh, continue with like the same flow and tempo. Every now and then they might yeah put a bit of melody in there, maybe a bit of a soul in there, but they they really still have their um their standard structures to them. Yeah, generally I find like it's a medium tempo, you know, these things kind of chug along quite well, you know, and they'll throw in elements like a blast beat or some tremolo picking in that. But generally I find that they're quite happy to be in medium to medium fast tempos where it's just chugging along quite nicely. However, track three was pretty cool when they were doing some of that really nice groovy stuff, which I really wanted to hear a bit more of where they do those uh, double kick passages. Where like, like, that's, that's death metal, you know, that's kind of what I was thinking more of. But they kind of chug along more, and they get that more of a thrash groove vibe. That's um, but incredibly low compared to that kind of thing. So, hey, don't hate them for it. Just just saying what it is. You know, the diversity in itself, though, from start to finish, apart from maybe acoustic sections, I don't think there's really much else to comment on. This is Gothenburg sound, and this is just what it is, really. Yeah, definitely. And they do the classic. I like to, I, I like to call these things blackouts. So what they're the classic like. Oh, more like black metal endings where they just keep like chugging along the slame like slow doomy riffs and they let yeah. it fade out so I think they should be called blackouts from now on because okay. it's kind of like a standard blackout like into your rockouts you know you have like a blackout okay. so I think I think that's something we could start going from now on they like those they're cool but they also like times where they just like the end songs like, and that's it and that's pretty cool as well so yeah, they're, 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 I mean, there's a little bit going on every now and then. You're right. There's a little nice riff in there. Or... But the feel never changes, though. And I think that's yeah. really good thing to uh, important that you guys should know that um, they, they try to what they do do very successfully is give you a pretty much an overarching tone, and uh, what you listen to is a very tough sounding record. And no matter what track you put on, though, it makes you feel like a badass, mate. You just like drive. I, I wish I had a Mustang so the songs would sound better because mm. I didn't have one. I got like, one of those crappy uh, Mitsubishi Lancers and it doesn't do the it doesn't do the songs any justice, man. You want to be riding this thing like, in a tank and you just want to be like driving over people. Uh, yeah, to really help you. just yeah. And you can't have it low at all. This album needs to be loud all the time. You do it low, like just as background music, you might as well just put it off. 
Well, that, that's true. Also, you know? because we'll talk more about that in production, but you're right. You, yeah, this, sorry. This should be some loud. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. So we'll go to groove side of that. Now, with groove, you know, it can groove. Grooving means anything, but if, you get, if you're not getting your head bopping, then it's not grooving you. You know, the most important metal for me is something that makes me feel something. And when you're nodding your head, you're feeling it. It is part of your being. It's like your heartbeat. It is making you do things, and without it, you wouldn't survive. Yeah, definitely. And I reckon this album pretty much has every out song has groove to it. Yep. I mean, it's not like the gent groove or the sugar groove. This is actually just like like a rocking groove. Like, yeah, this is pretty rocking, man. Yeah. Fist pump. Just like looking at the band yeah. who was there right there in the crowd, just like pumping their way, and they'd do it to you uh, or whatever. They wouldn't maybe because they just don't give a shit because you can just yeah, tell these guys. That, yeah. They're just like the guys who just sleep wherever they want sit with whoever they want and uh, you're just going like, to sit there and like it. And like what we did, like, you know, the groove aspect, like I said, the whole way through never gets lost. Uh, it just makes you feel really tough and really meaty like. Again, the steak is really funny, man. I am Steak. Re- yeah, these guys are just what they are and um, they do it quite well, you know. Uh, groovy for you, Dan. Yeah, they definitely say each song has its groove. Again, uh driven by both the guitars and the drums because you know the guitar at times will do a bit of a staccato riff or they'll have different intensities with slow drumming over fast guitar etc and that dichotomy helps just give it a natural rocking yeah and I do that single note kind of blast beat thing you know or whatever or some of that tremolo picking or just normally just kind of chug along with some big fat chords uh, it doesn't matter you know uh, it, it, it all kind of it always well they never they never step they never trip over their even feet you know, with some songwriting goes out of its way to be clever or kind of show off what they can do in tricks, you know, and they end up just kind of killing a song, you know, but they never do it. They always make sure that the song goes on quite nicely and uh, quite a smooth ride. It's, uh, yeah, the groove aspect is perfect. Pretty good. Production-wise, well, you know, this album has a life of its own. It is definitely not produced to the point of losing its soul. And this is what I'm talking about, man, an album that you can listen to and really feel an emotion that they're trying to convey. It's a perfect blend. Uh, it's not the cleanest album, and it shouldn't be, you know? Um, what do you think, though, Danny? Is there anything about that kind of stood out to you? Oh, not really. I mean, you are correct. It, the production is, they're going for that classic, like, this is our third, second album sound without much money, but we still want to keep that rawness. And Yeah. They, they do it well. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, look, you still hear everything quite well, unless, again, if you're putting it low or if you're using average headphones or using your laptop speakers like someone did you're not going to hear it that well so yeah. you want to hear it properly of course and but it's good like i said it's all about the feel of these guys here you tell they want to get the intensity cross and the feel cross with their minor keys and their chugging along riffs so that, that's why they have this production uh, feeling like they could overly produce it but it takes it away from it i think uh, look minor nitpicks whether they are nitpicks or not i don't know for sure i would like to hear things in different keys uh there was a lot in b flat and there was sometimes when i looked at my phone or whatever on my uh, guitar my car and I'm like wow we're up to track seven it feels like i'm on track three or four you know um some not that they're bleeding too much with each other because there is a little bit of ways they go about changing the feel of songs up but to convey other emotions uh, it's so easy man they could have taken any of these ideas and muddled around um they probably won't and that's fine too uh, and also look the the guitar tone and the singing style is the way it is from start to finish and for some people, that's going to be too much. Uh, for me, I can't wait to go back and listen to the album again um, just to hear things that I've missed because I feel like I've missed a lot and mm. I really want to give these guys a, a throwback and uh, you know, I hope to see these guys in the top 10. But um, I do understand that um, 
to challenge, I'd like to see these guys step it up with some more of those money riffs, where riffs where the song can kind of really give it a chance for the guitar to stand out a bit, Danny. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, like really, really ballsy, chunky riffs. You're correct that they they do have that. Every every song seems to have that same progression to it. They're not that daring in their songs. That's probably fair to say. Um, yeah, I mean it's not a long album as well. Yeah, most of the songs eight minutes. Yeah, most of the songs are three and a half to four minutes, which seems quite short for this type of band. So, but again, they, they that's what they want to do. They just want to do short, punchish type songs. You know, and that's something that uh, you know they do and they do very well. So, with all those final thoughts together, guys, as you can tell, we really rate this album from start to finish. Man, you're gonna have a generally a very fun time. It is a very strong album. You know, it makes me feel things growing growing some manly hair or if you're a woman you might uh wow what do women do when they get really strong and powerful uh, they wax your moustaches yeah that's good man i love it so you're gonna grow your moustache ladies you're gonna wax it and then you're gonna beat me up for saying it that's okay the only problem is though with this kind of album is who's it for right now who are we going to recommend this album for i think death metal heads will love it because even though it's not like decapitated technical or it's not like dying feeders brutal or it's not like death uh, progressive. I think it encapsulates all their feelings and puts it into a more straightforward, uh, enjoyable experience where it's not hitting you all the time. And mm. I think with some death metal, listening to an album start to finish can be just too much. Yeah, you know why? Because these guys don't rely on blast beats. Yeah, that's right, you me. Yeah. Stop the blast beats. <laughs> Don't stop blast beats. Nah, they have them in this album, but not as much, which is good. Do yeah. They use them as a little bit of a pepper on top of that steak. Uh, I would love to hear. I've tried getting a few of my friends into it uh, over the last weekend. I heard nothing from my friends. So uh. I have lost some, but I actually contacted the band and told them how much I, how strongly I felt about the album. And they actually sent me a like. So, you know, they these guys are cool enough to even respond to their fans with a with a simple nod and a wink, which um, was really nice. Maybe it was with the missus. Oh, Whatever. Uh, I got to meet the missus. So it's definitely a very strong recommendation. If you are into that Gothenburg's metal sound, like if you're into like bands like here from Australia, like Universum, or if you're into like early soil work, Dark Tranquility, Calendar uh, Circle, Karma, uh, Noctum, all these bands, if they ring any bells and you love them, then these are the guys for you. It's B flat. It's really like low tuning, dark, you know, but uh, not so much depressing as in flames, but definitely a hell of a lot angrier. Yeah, no, definitely. So I recommend listen to it. Good, listen to it. Go ahead and enjoy it. That's been our CD review of Evocation, The Shadow Archetype, Danny. And with that, brings us to the end of our show. That's true. And as they all say, evolution in reverse now. It's time for me. Changing what I am to be contorted and eternity defeated. Thank you, Sugar. That was that. That really touches me. That oh, one. I didn't know. He was like, dip, 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 dip. Yeah. what song is that? That's um, destroy, raise, approve. Oh, I love it. Oh, I thought I could off it. Evolution in reverse. Yeah, yeah kick ass, man. Now I know. All right, well, I'm in Super Metal Brother Matt, and I have been Super Metal Brother Dan for another week. We have been the Super Metal Brothers. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, you keep on rocking.